Hi, this is Emrys Podcast and I'm Bill McMurdo. And it's a solemn and very sad occasion that we're doing this particular episode because it's the day after Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth passed away. And uh, there's something I want to speak about today and we're going to cover the passing of the Queen and I want to share something that happened to me last Lord's Day, last Sunday, just past there. And I was going to share this earlier in the week and just didn't really get round to it. Don't know if I was held back, just, <clears throat> excuse me, it just never really happened. And I think now I know the reason why, because I had an interpretation of something that happened to me. And I now know that that interpretation was not full, not complete, and so um, I just want to share this. Last Sunday night, driving towards Govan, um, I had I was in the car with two other people, and in the sky before us, going along the M8, there was a meteor, a meteor in the sky, and um, it was very clear, very you know, it was a, a very clear meteor. The other two people in the car spotted it. And commented on it. We all did. Now I'm aware that comets, meteors, they used to be anciently regarded as signs and portents, important signs and wonders in the sky, if you like, to indicate uh, a momentous event, very often a death or the transition to a new season or a new age, if you like, a new new um, time of things, new season. And I was aware of that when I saw the comet or the meteor. And um, the last time I saw something like that over the skies of Glasgow was a couple of days before uh, Billy Graham passed away. And I remember remarking on this to Pastor Alec Gillis um, of Victory Christian Centre, who said to me that Billy Graham was known, and I then verified it, of course, online, he was known as the mid-century meteor because... His ministry came to such prominence uh, in the middle of the, the last century, the 20th century. And of course, um, you say, well, why, why Glasgow? Because 1955, Billy Graham had his famous crusade here in Glasgow. And um, many, many people got saved. And I was told by Pastor Alec Gillis that Billy Graham had said that 1955 Glasgow campaign or crusade was the closest he had ever seen to an outbreak of genuine revival. Obviously, he has seen many salvations and uh, great things happening under his ministry, but he felt that 1955 Glasgow, when he was still a young man, was the closest he'd, he'd come to an outbreak of revival. So the meteor over the skies of Glasgow, a couple of days later, Billy Graham passes away, and so that became uh, you know, something that, that spoke to me. And it's interesting because I just discovered um, uh, something about Billy Graham, uh, which, I'll, which I'll share with you in a minute. But what I interpreted the meteor I saw on Sunday night, because as at that point, the Conservative leadership election had not yet been announced. Now, everybody knew it was going to be Liz Truss. I think everybody knew it was looking that way. And, and I thought the meteor was to... Uh, herald, in a sense, that Liz Truss would be uh, the Premier, the new Prime Minister, because Liz Truss, in her formative childhood years, had gone to Paisley, had gone to school in Paisley, uh, 
So I just made that connection. And sometimes you just jump to things. And I'm not saying there was wrong in doing that because there, um, obviously she did then get it a couple of days later. It was announced she was the new Prime Minister. And, and I think it's important, you know, that, that, that she is, that signifies a new era post-Brexit Britain. And there were one or two prophecies online about uh, her being the new Prime Minister, the new Iron Lady, all of that. So I just felt, well, that's, you know. <clears throat> and also, the fact that one Elizabeth, which is our uh, late Queen, was, in effect, handing over power and authority as Prime Minister to another Elizabeth. So there was a, there's a significance there. So that was just my thinking. And um, I was going to announce, I did share with one or two privately, uh, one or two trusted voices, that speak into what we're doing and, and that, I, that I trust. But I didn't share it publicly. And I was going to do a pod like this about it because I felt it was, you know, well, here we go, there's a, there's a comet and a meteor or whatever it is. What I want to say here is I'm not one of those people that every time there's a weird sky, oh, well, that's a sign. You know, I'm not saying that every time that, that you see a shooting star or stuff like that, that signifies something momentous happening in the world stage. I'm not that type of person, but I had the witness of my spirit that I saw the meteor because I do believe that signs important, signs in the sky, can speak to us. And I do believe that sometimes God uses these things to let us know something big is about to happen. Well, I will say this now, obviously several days later, I clearly have an idea now or what the meteor really meant, because very often meteors do signify the death of a very prominent person. And of course, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth has now gone to her eternal reward. Um, and that's why I believe the meteor. I do believe there was a significance, Ari, Liz Truss, but I think the meteor was to say a new age is dawning, a new era is coming, a new um, season. It's not just a season, though. Um, we're entering a new era. Most people in Britain today have only ever known Queen Elizabeth uh, because she's been on the throne for 70 years. And so that covers most folks in Britain. That would that Most people in Britain don't remember ever having a king. We now have a king. And so I just wanted to share that because sometimes I think, um, and I've shared it, as I said, privately and and. Uh, one or two people see it in line with other prophecies that others have given. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed when, I, when you scan the prophetic uh, voices out there, and again, I don't live or or you know, put so much uh, by those voices. You know, they're, they're interesting, and sometimes one or two resonate with you, but there's a lot of voices out there. But one of the things I've picked up, which I think is important to share is a lot of people are saying, well, we're, we're entering difficult times, we're entering dark days ahead, you know, we're going to have difficult times. Uh, and some of those voices have said, but at the end of that, or going through that, uh, we, we will see a season of blessing, glory, revival, outbreak, you know, outpouring. I want to add my voice into that mix a little bit and say this in my thinking, because I think that a lot of the times our, our voices make a difference in the nation. Your voice impacts the nation. Your voice released in prayer, released in decree, released in proclamation, declaration, supplication, petition, 
intercession, giving of thanks, all of these things, they are vital, I believe, on the national level. If you read Psalm 1, um, and I don't want to do a big Bible study on this at this moment in time. I, I know I've covered this before, and I'll probably do it again. But um, the Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are both believed to have been written by King David. And I've said this before in previous podcasts, it's important to emphasize this. Psalm 1 is all about your personal walk with God. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So it's all about your personal walk with God, the man, the individual, the person. Uh, not necessarily just a man, but an individual person, a man, a woman, a child. Walking with God, meditating the word, and allowing that word to so penetrate and soak and saturate their inner man and their mind and their thinking that their mind is renewed. We see the process, the prosperity, as your soul prospers, the prosperity that comes from a lifestyle of meditating the word. And I want to do pods on that at some stage because it's so important to encourage you to just do that, to get into God's word and meditate it constantly. But then Psalm 2 shifts and goes into um, all about the nations. Why are the heathen region, which is the nations, and the kings of the earth set themselves and all that. And we see that there's an impact. God's word is rejected by the leaders of the earth. And we've never seen that more, perhaps, than we see it today. And so important for us because it speaks about kings of the earth. Now, of course, we believe uh, our, our own Monarchy here in Britain, descended from the throne of David, is a different uh, thing entirely, and of course above all these other kings. But whether kings cover presidents, prime ministers, all that thing, national, sorry, national leaders. The, the important thing I'm trying to get across here is this: is that in Psalm one there's that personal dimension, in Psalm two there's a global or a national, international dimension. But you have to understand that when Psalm one and Psalm two used to be read out. In ancient times, they were read out together and practically regarded as one unit, if, if not really one psalm. And it was believed that both are written by David. And really what the thinking behind this was very simple is that your personal, individual walk with God has an impact on the national life of the nation you live in. It's not just, oh, well, you know, there are two different things. Oh, there's, there's me in my wee corner here, but there's this big national, global, international thing going on over there. And, you know, no, no, it's not that the two are separate. It's that your walk with God or your walk with, with demons, your walk with away from God, whatever we do individually has an impact on our nation. And that's the lesson if you take Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 together, if we want to see the kingdom of Christ, which is referenced here in Psalm 2, manifest in the earth, you have to be a person who walks and meditates and, and fellowships with God very closely on a daily basis. The man of God must be somebody who spends time in prayer, spends time meditating the word, spends time using his prayer language, spends time thinking on and, and immersing himself in in God and in God's purpose for your nation.
And that impacts, that impacts your community. In Psalm 128, I don't want to do big Bible studies here. I'm just trying to get across this thought to you because as one monarch dies and another rises up, it's incumbent upon us as citizens. And by the way, if you're not from Britain and, and you're no part of this, then let me just say this to you. The British throne is a completely different thing to other uh, offices of power. And it's important for you to plug into that. And Psalm 128 says, Bless everyone that fears the Lord that walks in his ways. So it starts off with the individual. Then it starts talking about, You shall eat the labour of thine hands. Happy shall the beat shall be well with thee. And it means that you get blessed. That as, as you get blessed, you're happy, you're blessed, you're strong, you're getting stronger. You're a blessed man. You're a blessed individual. Then it touches verse 3. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house or in the heart of your house. Thy children lay olive plants round about your table. Your walk with God will impact your family. And they'll be blessed. Your wife will conduct herself how she should. Your children will be uh, well behaved and so on. Of course, other Psalms, other places in Scripture, the generation of the upright shall be blessed. Your seed shall be mighty in the earth. Folks, we have to understand that your individual walk with God impacts those around you, impacts those in your personal circle. And it says, Behold, that thus shall a man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee, verse 5, this is Psalm 128, out of Zion. And of course, Zion is a, a term that we would use to, to talk about, I would say, the, the church. And that doesn't just mean your local church or even the church on earth. It's talking about Mount Zion, uh, which, um, you know, consists of an innumerable company of saints. It's, it's the heavenly Zion that every, every believer is part of, whether they're on the earth or, or not. Zion is that catch-all term to speak about the, the realm of, of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and and that, that isn't just in heaven, but is manifesting on earth in God's people. So you'll be blessed out of the glory, out of Zion. And it says, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Zion is that spiritual dimension of glory, that heavenly glory. And Jerusalem is, well, it's a metaphor for your place that you live on earth, whatever town or city you live in. And of course, back then, Jerusalem was the, the, the capital. And what it's really saying is, is that out of the heavenly realms of glory, God will bless the community you live in as you walk with him, and only if and as you walk with him. Not just, you know, if you're goofing off, do your own thing. Now, yea, thou shalt see thy children's children, and peace upon Israel. All of a sudden it becomes your nation. And we'll see peace in Britain when we walk right with God. And I speak to you, brothers and sisters, God is looking for a people who will go um, that extra mile. And by that, what I mean is not just have this nominal or you know basic walk with him that just you know it just keeps you happy and it just keeps you plugged in folks god is looking for zeal god is looking for faithfulness god is looking for a people he can set on fire and you know if you speak about the baptism of the holy ghost when we got baptized in the holy ghost that we were baptized in or immersed in the person 
of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost and fire. But I think that God is looking for a people who say, well, that's not just an event in my life. I want to stay immersed. I want to be immersed. I want full immersion in the presence of God, in the glory of God, in the fire of God, in the holiness of God, in the word of God, in everything that God wants me to be immersed in. He's looking for us to be sold out zealots, if you like. Not not uh, nuts and, and, and fanatics in, in that we become really quite weird. You understand? You can be a zealot without being weird with it. A lot of people, they, they get full of zeal, but it's not really necessarily what God wants for them because it's the wrong type of zeal. A lot of that zeal is really look at me stuff. It's, it's attention seeking. You know, you want everybody around you to think that you're holier than them and that you're you know more committed to the Lord, more fervent, all that. But we're not talking about that. We're not talking about a phony zeal. We're talking about people who are sold out to Jesus who, and I'm talking particularly here in Britain, that people will turn around and say, I am not allowing this nation to be taken by globalist, antichrist, Babylonian forces or institutions or governments or agendas such as uh, WEF and all that, but that we are going to have a holy island here. The British Isles are going to be holy islands. We're going to be set apart, holy islands for the Lord. We're going to be a kingdom community because the kingdom of God is going to be prominent, prevalent, and completely saturate this united kingdom. We need that thinking. We need that type of zeal. You know, a lot of doom and gloom, people speaking about, oh, well, now, you know, the forces of devolution, our independence more, uh, are going to be stronger, and there's going to be this drive in Ireland, you know, Northern Ireland's going to become part of uh, Ireland, and Scotland's going to break off. Folks, we don't need to listen to that. I believe there are prophetic things about that out there, but I, I receive them as warnings that if we want our island, our isles to be broken up, if we want our United Kingdom to be broken up, now there's strong theological arguments to say that that can't happen, and I, I understand them, but we don't have to actually experience the reality of these things to be divided. A house divided shall not stand. A kingdom divided against itself, it, it, it will be destroyed. So the purpose of our enemies is not necessarily to achieve um, independence and break us up, but to keep us in a perpetual state of fear and alarm and weakness because of that. And that means that we are uh, we can't stand with a house divided. Now these are warnings. There are there are you might say, well, you know, let's have a appropriate period of mourning for our queen. I'm I'm all for that. I'm in that. But I want to say this that we need to very quickly understand that we can't hang around in a doleful state. We've got to be up and doing. We've got to support King Charles now. Pray for him. Um, and you know, people say, "Well, he's you know, I would rather have William, or I'd, I'd rather have this." Folks, we can't fuss with the line of succession. It's not our job. Our job is to do what it tells us in First Timothy chapter two. Uh, and I'll leave you with this. Uh, I could speak a whole lot more on this, and I will do, but I'm not going to do it in this podcast uh, or this episode. I exhort therefore, First Timothy chapter two, verse one. I exhort therefore, when Paul says I exhort therefore, we're reading the Holy Ghost is saying, do this. Amen, it's a command. That first of all, not 
not down the line. You know, I've been to prayer meetings where this isn't even touched. And, you know, people think they're having a prayer meeting, but unless you're doing this first of all, in other words, priority, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. In other words, we pray for the blessing of Abraham to come upon the nations. In other words, every family on earth is to be blessed. Every person is to be touched by our prayers. Not just, you know, us four no more, me and Auntie Jeannie and all that stuff, prayers, but prayers along the lines of God's purpose, which is that the whole earth be full of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. So we pray that all men, women and children, that they will be deluged by the Holy Spirit and come to know the Lord. But then verse 2 says, for kings and for all that are in authority, so in other words, kings and those who serve them as ministers, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Folks, it's time to understand that our business is to pray for leaders. Why? Because leaders are the gatekeepers of communities. Kings and prime ministers and so on, presidents, they are the ones over all the people under their control. And what that means is if we win kings, if we get the head right, the body will follow. So it's so important. You say, well, King Charles this or King Charles that. Friends, that's why we need to pray for him. Oh, he's a globalist stooge. I've heard this already. Friends, so what? Let's pray that the man is given Holy Ghost boldness to shake off any obligations he has to anything other than obeying the word of God and pursuing uh, a path that is righteous, that, that he does not join the kings of the earth in Psalm 2 and thrown off the bonds and restraints of God's word and God's people. But he says, no, we're, I'm bound the knee to King Jesus. Let's pray that. Let's pray that for our incoming prime minister. Let's pray that for our uh, leaders at national level and even local level, your town or city council. Let's pray for that. And why do we do that? So that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. In other words, we have a life in a land that has godly order and righteous government. For this is good, verse 3, unacceptable in the sight of God our Saviour, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Read those verses. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. And understand that that is God's purpose. And that's your partner. To pray and, of course, to meditate. In other words, fill yourself full of God's word, which is his will. And then you'll be better placed to declare it and decree it and pray it in there. Well, we've got a job in our hands. We And I'm going to close this now by praying along these lines and then leave it over to you, friends, to do your part in making sure that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're instructed to pray that way, to pray along those lines, in other words. And so we need to be in the business of doing it. So let's just pray and then uh, over to yourselves to keep praying and decreeing the marvellous purpose of God for this British nation and all the other nations. Amen. Father, we just thank you for this, for the truth. We thank you for the witness of your servant Elizabeth. But Lord, we pray now you put your hand upon her son and uh, now our king, Charles. And ask, Father, that your word says that you can change the, the heart of a king. You can turn it whithersoever you will. 
So we ask now, Father, that you would turn the heart of Charles to the purpose of God and that he would be a godly king in his latter years, that he would turn his heart to you and say, I need the wisdom and counsel of God and of men and women who know you, Lord. We pray, Father, for Charles. May your hand be upon him. You preserve him, uh, protect him, and above all, Lord, God save our King. In Jesus' name, Amen. Till next time, folks, the Lord bless you. Amen. <laughs>